Hey, it's Freddie Cruz, and this is a podcast for people who wish to engage more with their hometown and learn about the stories of the individuals, businesses, organizations, and events that make the greater Houston area great. One such event is the Bayou City Art Festival happening downtown October 14th through the 15th. During this conversation, I'm joined by featured artist Michelle McDowell-Smith. During this episode, we talk about going on hiatus, the equivalent of writer's block for artists, and how she overcomes it. And of course, we talk about the Bayou City Art Festival itself. If you enjoy this conversation, please consider sharing with your family and friends. It's how we grow the show. You can also leave a review on your podcast platform of choice and sign up for the newsletter at cruisethroughhtx.com. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man Flo Rida with Freddie Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Tell you go pick Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddie and it's time to cruise through HTX. Let's talk about your your work and how it all started for you. I graduated from an art college. I went to Savannah College of Art and Design. I graduated in 1997 with an illustration major, although it took me four years to learn that I didn't want to be an illustrator. But I think it taught me the importance of using symbols and telling a story. And I feel like my art now tells a story. After graduation, I got married. We had three kids. I took a big detour from art for a while and did other things. And But about 10 years ago, I threw myself back into it, you know, 100%. And the body of work that I'm working on now, I've been still on my website and I travel all over the country at outdoor art festivals, just like the Bayou City Art Festival and, and sell my work. But I want to go into that hiatus because as creatives, it's something that it, it's frowned upon, but it's also celebrated. And uh, I'm in sort of, I'm in the writing world, so I've written three books over the course of three years. And so I'm wondering if, in the art world, if it's the same thing where depending on who you talk to, a hiatus can be a good thing or a bad thing. Because I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not putting out work, you're forgotten. So what was the hiatus like for you? One, and then two. Uh, what made you want to get back into it? I mean, it was hard, but at the same time, I focused on my children. That was at the at the time it was more important to me, and it was something that gave me so much joy that I didn't even miss the art so much. And I was working at the school where they, you know, were attending, and I was able to be totally involved in their life, like as they were growing up. But then once they were old enough and out of my hair enough, I was able to get back into it. And, and now they're all adults and moved on and gone off to college. I got to ask you about that because as a father myself, and um, you've got college kids, I've got one that's graduated high school recently and another senior in high school. So I imagine we're probably close in age, at least somewhat. Um, Doing the art thing with with our kids for me as a non-artist was always something I looked forward to and was so fun. Terrible at it. Terrible. But it was so fun and therapeutic. And plus, there's the bonding thing with your kids and you're just doing something for the heck of it. So as an artist who does this professionally, um, did, was was creating stuff, whether at school or at home with your kids, um, 
was it something that sort of kept the the fire to eventually get back in the game? Was that was did that serve as something uh, for you during those years? Absolutely. And my body of work now, it feels storybook. It feels like it's a familiar childhood memory. And I kind of think those years of being a preschool teacher and raising my children, they definitely have influenced my body of work now. There's one picture in particular. Is it the rabbit on the typewriter or it's an, it's an animal on a typewriter and it looks something. It's a, yeah, it's a hair on a typewriter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is just, um, it, it's like it, it punches you in the face when you look at it through the monitor. I can imagine what it must look like in person. Uh, the rooster on the TV is another one. So what gives you, are you just, um, when Michelle sits down with the paintbrush and, a, and an easel, <laughs> do you just paint what comes to mind? Or is the idea sort of germinating for days or for hours during a walk or whatnot? Oh, gosh, for days, hours, years, it's, they all, they're swimming around in my head for a very long time. And they all have their own unique story or meaning. Um, like the, the hair on the typewriter, just for a specific example, that one, the title is Tomorrow's Passage. And it's about what's the next story of your life. What's, what's to come in your future? What's the next passage? And they all kind of have their own thing like that. I mean, individually, each piece has its own story. But as a whole, I want them to feel familiar. I want them to feel nostalgic and kind of rekindle that sense of wonder that we had as kids. You know, that like starry-eyed vision when the world was new and magical and full of wonder. Like, I want my work to help people tap into that a little bit. I love that. And I'm looking at this picture right now, and you definitely get a sense of um, of nostalgia with the typewriter. I mean, who? I don't, I don't remember the last time I even seen one in person. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and 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 then right next to it, by the way, her website is michellemcdowellsmith.com. Right next to it is the uh, rooster on the old school TV set with the hot air balloons in the background. Um, these are very. I hate comparing artists to artists, but I'll do it anyway. Uh, the hair, <laughs> it reminds me of Beatrix Potter for some reason. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. It's so, I mean, whimsical really is just the, the, the word to describe it. How long does it take for you to make something like this if it's germinating, depending on the piece of artwork, uh, for so long? Um, how long does it get? To, how long does it take you? Actually, like one piece usually takes me a month or two, depending on the size. I tend to work pretty large. Those take me a little bit longer and it's a whole process. I mean, I, I start with loose sketches. I have a ton of ideas swimming around in my brain. And then I'm a planner. I'm a very like 100% planner. So I have detailed sketches by the end of it. And then I go through all of my collage materials and vintage papers. And I choose things that help tell the story of the piece that like add to that story and that I connect with as I'm working on it. I use old book pages and poetry and old maps and postcards and 
black and white photos from an antique store, you know, the ones in the shoebox in the back of the store that you have no idea who they are, but you wonder what their story was. And I use engraving prints, like from artists from the 1800s. And I collage all that onto the canvas and I seal it. And then I start a whole painting. So I just work with glazes of acrylic paint and tiny little brushes. And I paint into all of those papers to bring it to life and add color and depth and, you know, blend everything seamlessly into the whole. Okay. So I've scrolled down a little bit. I'm obsessed. Uh, I'm looking (laughs) at, okay, so this is beyond the meadow and then next to it is beyond the, or beyond the meadow. Then, then there's between the hills, limited edition paper print. So when you talk about using newspaper clippings and whatnot, that's actually in the original artwork that you're creating. So it makes sense that you would plan all of this out. Um, because I, I'd hate it if I were you. I mean, I I would hate it if I was like, Oh no, the tree should be thinner, not (laughs) thick. I screwed it all up. Ah, yeah. I'm I'm a planner. My husband jokes all the time. Yeah. She's not a happy accident kind of artist. I mean, if I, (laughs) if I mess up or, you know, use, the wrong color. I can't get those papers back. And these are 100 year old prints that are just black and white and gorgeous and have so much detail. And I don't want to lose those things because I pick them so carefully to like go with the story of the piece. All those little details, which are hard to see on a computer monitor, but from a distance from far away, first you're just struck with the idea, the composition, the subject matter, but then it pulls you in. And when you look closely and then you see all those hidden details and vignettes that all these other layers of meaning and subject matter, I don't know. I just hope that it pulls people in like that. When you're going through all of this material prior to putting the piece together, Michelle, do you you find yourself maybe going into a sort of rabbit hole where you're reading something and you're like, oh my goodness, I had no idea this was happening a hundred years ago. Or is it, you know, it's more of of an actual tool and you're just using the piece because that was what was available at, at the time? I think it's a balance. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, definitely sometimes I'll come across in an old book of mine, an engraving print that I'm unfamiliar with the artist or the piece. And I want to know before I use it for what I'm pulling from it, from the meaning and how it would, you know, connect and work in my own piece of art. I do then sometimes do a little bit of research to see like, okay, what is the title of this piece? What did it mean? When was it painted? You know, those kinds of things. I mean, these are super old engraving prints. I mean, these artists were from the 1800s, old pastoral scenes and all kinds of things like that. It's very deliberate, and that's what I admire about it. It's not just a hodgepodge of somebody who wants to just make something that looks cool on a Saturday morning. It's very deliberate in what you're doing. (laughs) And that's, I love that about, I love that about your work. I appreciate that because I am very deliberate and conscious and I pour my heart into these pieces and I want people to connect with them and I want to be able to share a story and depending on what I put in adds those specific details. What is the equivalent of writer's block for artists and have you ever experienced it? And if you have, how do you overcome it? I have 
definitely 100% experienced it. And sometimes it's an hour and sometimes it's two weeks. It just depends. Um, to be totally honest, it completely sucks. It's really hard. And I, I struggle with imposter syndrome and feeling like, gosh, do I really know what I'm doing? And I'll look at other pieces of mine and think, how did I do that? I did it before. How come I can't do it now? It's artist block is a real, real thing. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, how to, how I get through it. It's time and mute, listening to music and going outside. And I mean, my work is very nature based. I think that all of the earthy colors and the greens and blues and browns, it's soothing to me. And it definitely kind of brings me back to a place where I need to be. So sometimes just breaking through that block is just kind of remembering that. Seems like it will be easier for an artist like you to to get back into it rather than someone who maybe, I don't know, does like um, politically charged wall murals. Yeah, and I, I am the exact opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's nature, and you're right, to your point, I mean, and really, when you, if mean, we've seen the studies, uh, especially over the past few years with the pandemic, about how, how good for you physically, emotionally, mentally it is to get out into nature, and this is, this is your jam. You're painting and you're working with these different themes. So it imagine I imagine on a on a meta level that you're that you're absorbing this into your psyche. So yeah, what it seems like it would be way easier for you to I mean, not to oversimplify it and say it's easy, <laughs> but uh not as hard for you to stay in that in that block sort of phase. Yeah. I mean, my work kind of hovers between dreams and fairy tales and I want it to feel a little surreal, like softly surreal and storybook. And I think so much of that can be from memories we have as kids. And I can just kind of go back to those and, and just let go of all of the awful craziness in the world right now. Yeah. And that's something that you do balance in your work is the, 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 you've got the theme of hope and the whimsical nature of it, and you see the colors and the earthy tones and the cute little animals. But then you also, uh, on your website, you write about disappointment. And mm -hmm. as a grown up, I'm sure you know you empathize with this. There's a lot of disappointment in the world when you're when you're a big kid. Um, and then there's loneliness. So, yeah. what do you find to be the uh, the hardest part of navigating these these this dichotomy of like hope and dreams and fantasy land and then mm, disappointment. Oh, I'm lonely. I mean, I think the contradiction of those two things is interesting. And I feel like the somber, sad, slight little elements in my work just bring more buoyancy and joy to it. I feel like it's just all a, a balance I don't know. I mean, I do try to reflect on the loss of innocence and loneliness and sadness. But in the end, I want them to feel hopeful. I want them to feel aspirational. And I want them to, like I, I mean, I said before, I want them to feel nostalgic and a sense of wonder that we, it's so hard to find right now in our hearts. Let's shift gears to 
the middle of October, the 14th and 15th, downtown Houston. It is uh, Sam Houston Park along Allen Parkway. It's a beautiful part of town for anyone who might be new to the Houston area. Um, it's the Bayou City Art Festival. And you're the featured artist. Your work is going to be front and center. And so what what are you looking forward to when you get to HTX from Virginia? I mean, I'm really looking forward to the show. I've never done the fall show before. I've, um, I've done the spring show that they do twice. And I've done a show in Dallas. My brother-in-law lives in Dallas. And we, a couple of years ago, combined like a trip to see him with another festival in Dallas, I guess Richardson technically, but my work, I mean, it was a good match and it was a big success. And then I started looking around like, okay, so what are other shows in Texas and Bayou city art festival had so many good reviews from other artists that I'm friends with and that I just connect with online. And so I applied and did the spring shows and they were great. And the director of the show, Kelly Batterson, she emailed me and said that she saw my work in the spring and that she was just really taken by it and that the committee wanted me to be the featured artist. And I'm like, yes, please. Okay. <laughs> this sounds amazing. Yeah. So I think it'll be fun. I'm excited to see how it's different from the spring show. Absolutely. And the the festival, y'all, has been around for more than 50 years and we've got over 250 different artists uh, 19 different styles of art, or as they say, 19 different art disciplines. And it's all going back to the local community. So um, it's something that has been around for a long time. It's fun for the entire family. And there is really something for everybody to do, big kids and little kids. Definitely check out Michelle's work at the Bayou City Art Festival. Uh, it's benefiting Art Reach, Fresh Arts, Orange Show for Visionary Art, Second Servings, the Museum of Fine Arts, Houston, and the Women's Fund for Health Education and Resiliency. The website, by the way, is BayouCityArtFestival.com to get your tickets and learn more about all of the artists who are going to be featured. And uh, Michelle's website, it's Michelle2Ls, MichelleMcDowellSmith.com. Thank you so much for speaking with me on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. It was fun. Hey, it's me. I'm back with a quick little nudge. If you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did putting it together for you, then please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the newsletter at cruisethroughhtx.com and share with your family and friends. Thank you.